Mr. Buchanan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, mate. How are you doing? I'm very, very well, mate. I'm very well. It's a very cold, snowy day where I am today, so I almost cleared my entire diary to go out sledging, but I've managed to get myself <laughs> to this podcast because I was pumped to speak to you today, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. Yeah, it's, it's not very often we wake up in the snow outside uh, up in, in Cumbria on the coast, but uh, yeah, it's quite nice to see you this morning. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I, like you, I live not too far away from the sea, so normally the sea air absolutely destroys yeah. the snow before it lands, so it's quite quite novel for not just the children, but me to see, you know, white dusting all over the place. Yeah. Um, but Mark, I said that I prolonged sledging because I was pumped to come and speak to you. And the reason why I'm pumped to come and speak to you, mate, is because this podcast is all about high performance in property. And when I think of high performance in property, your name is right up there at the forefront of my mind as someone who has absolutely crushed it, transformed their lives and really made massive inroads in their community. So I'm looking forward to breaking your story down and hopefully getting a few golden nuggets from you in today's chat, mate. But I don't want to go ahead and sort of introduce you on your behalf. So if I could just kick things off, mate, by putting a spotlight on you. And for anyone who's not familiar with who you are and what you do, could you just tell us a little bit about what you're up to? Yeah, of course, mate. Do you know, when people say stuff like that, it, it, it still makes me feel a bit weird. That because obviously we are performing at a high level, um, but yeah, it's that imposter syndrome. But um, yeah, so I, I've been a uh, been a state agent now for about nine years. Um, I started off with a local independent in in our town, um, charging low fees. Uh, worked there for about about two and a half years. I briefly set up a company with another guy from London. Um, in hindsight, I probably didn't have the experience I needed to to be kind of setting it up because I was the one that was kind of doing everything and he was financing it. Uh, so that lasted about three months. And then I joined Purple Bricks, um, which I suppose was my first proper kind of step into self-employment. Um, so I was there for, I think I was there for about two and a half years. Um, built the brand up in the area to be really big. I think at, at one point we were the biggest agent in the area. Um, and then joined EXP back in September, officially September 2020, um, and gone from massively struggling financially. I did all right with Purple Bricks, but uh, yeah, I've always had two jobs to kind of make like ends meet and things to create this like crazy monster of a business um so just just this week we've completed now on 40 million pound worth of property in the last two and a half years um which is insane an insane amount especially when because we're in in the coast um, in west cumbria uh the average house price here is roughly about 140 um so 140 million pound from an average house price of 140,000 pound Obviously, you can do the maths. It's, it's, we've sold a lot of properties um, over the last couple of years and all pretty much with no kind of marketing budget with very little spend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been an absolutely crazy journey so far. So much to unpack with this story. Uh, so, so, so many different directions I could say at this, but I guess probably a good place for me to start is at the start of your transition. So you was working self-employed for Purple Bricks just very quickly. Like, how did you find that experience? Because it's interesting that you was absolutely killing it on that side and doing good numbers, yet you wasn't necessarily making the money that you might hope for going through that transition. So how did you find the whole experience of coming through that sort of hybrid cycle, if you like, and what was the transition like coming into building the Map Buchanan brand? Yeah, so... Joining uh, Purple Bricks, I mean, especially in the early days, I absolutely loved it. I, I liked the uh, 
because essentially you were you were kind of running your own business, even though you were, but you felt like you had a bit of freedom and a bit, a little bit of control. Um, and that was nice stepping away from working like nine to five and, and being told kind of this is what you're doing. So that that was kind of quite nice. Um, and we built it up and I'd got to the point where it was about 55 grand a year was the most I'd made while I was there. Factoring in that wasn't employed earnings. So obviously I had to take off on my expenses. And there weren't there weren't loads, but there were, there were obviously running costs because you were running your own business. Um, but it got to the point, the reason that I left um, is we got a new territory owner um, and he didn't appreciate or value the effort that I put in to build the brand because I covered it like a huge area um, to the point where we then needed more more people in the area and as a result he when he came in he reduced the commissions that I got um, so I was going to lose about three grand a year and I'd worked really hard and I thought I'm, I'm not putting up with that and that's that's one way you realize that you're not self-employed at all you're not running your own business when somebody can dictate how much you're going to get paid um, and I kind of left without any thought of what, what was going to come. Um, right. I had looked at EXP nine months before then, and it just didn't feel like the, the right time, purely from a financial point of view, because I was the one, the only one really like working full time. My wife worked part time more just for like extra money to, to help like pay for stuff for the kids and stuff like that. So leaving there, it was a, ultimately it was a massive risk because um, then we went to just having no money and still bills to pay and, and stuff like that. Um, so then obviously joining the XP and starting like our own proper kind of own business, um, initially, obviously we had no money. I only had about two grand in the bank. So I didn't start with loads of money to cushion me over like the sort of four to six weeks with, with no income until the, the property sold. Um, so what I did for, for that kind of period of time was, uh, I delivered pizzas a local shop down the road so I, I did I think at one point I was doing like kind of four nights uh so I'd run my business through through the day uh obviously try and find properties do valuations uh photos and stuff and then overnight I'd be delivering pizzas uh up until 11 o'clock um, and that helped to kind of pay the bills and that kind of took the pressure off because if I didn't sell any houses I still had my bills covered um and I think that probably helped when I went out into to appointments that I wasn't really needy because if if it didn't come on with me, well, obviously I, I wanted to to list the house, but I wasn't desperate, and I think that was like a a, a kind of big thing. Um, and I delivered pizzas for for about nine months. Um, so with EXP, I had four months of no income. Um, so I started in in September. My first completion was in December. Uh, so I think I got paid about four grand in the December. Um, and then January, I still had no completions then. And then February was the first time where after February, I got completions every month. So I still delivered. Yeah, it was consistent then. Um, and But I still delivered pizzas right up until I think it was June when I left. And I think in the back of my mind, it was, I enjoyed it because it was a good crack going with the, the other lads in, in the shop. Um, but I suppose in the back of my mind, it was, well, what if it doesn't work out and something kind of mm -hmm. goes wrong? It's always... I suppose with, with whatever I've done, I've always had that kind of worry of, of something kind of going wrong in the back of my mind. So I have a backup plan just in case. But it got to the point, the, the only reason I left, as I say, it was more because of the enjoyment, really, and the free pizzas. Um, always a bonus. Yeah, definitely. Um, but when, so I left one Friday night. Um, I had 25 phone calls 
between five and seven o'clock. Uh, and at one point, I sat outside somebody's house for 10 minutes with a pizza going cold in the back. Right, the right. Because I had to deal with like people wanting to, to either uh, offering on a property or wanting to arrange a viewing. And I went back and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm constantly answering phone calls. It's either that or I miss them. And my business is more important than the pizzas. Of course, and it, of course. It was that, that, um, that reason kind of why I left. But then, I was earning really good money every month, so I didn't I didn't need the pizzas. But it's just one of them things where it was a comfort comfort blanket, I guess. Was, like you, you, you knew yeah. that was that that was there. But it's interesting though, mate, because at the start of the podcast, one of the first things you actually said was the words imposter syndrome, and then you said, "I've always, you know, I, I was a bit worried about things could go wrong, or it could get taken away, or the success could be short lived." So I'm curious to ask, and I think probably a very logical question that people might be wondering, if it is that you're and you're not on your own, by the way. I think we all have imposter syndrome to some degree. It just shows itself in different ways in different areas of life. But you'd previously had a business that, for whatever reason, had failed, just not worked out due to your experience, due to timing, whatever it might have been. You then had the rug pulled from under your feet a little bit at Purple Bricks. And then you've gone in and started a cold start venture with next to no money in the bank. So I'm assuming, and maybe this is just me jumping to assumptions and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing there must have been some niggles, some worries, some anxiety, some negativity, some hesitancy in taking a step into completely going alone, alone, if you like, and setting your own business up with the XP, given kind of how you're hardwired anyway and the experiences that you'd come through at Purple Bricks. How difficult was it for you to make that actual transition and bite the bullet and think, Do you know what, this is it, I'm starting a business and onwards we go? I suppose to an extent, it must have been really difficult because I looked at it nine months prior and, and just thought, I can't afford the, the risk. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then when, when I did join, I'd say it was, nothing had changed. It was more just that I was really pissed off. Um, and that's what kind of forced me to kind of, well, not forced me, but that was, was what made the decision. Um, and obviously, I spoke about it with, like, my wife, my mother-in-law, because she lives with us, and and just, like, do you think I'd be a do it? Would it be successful? And I said, that, like, with, with Purple Bricks, for anyone that obviously doesn't know, you work your ass off. Um, mm-hmm. So you work in long hours because you're dealing with high-volume properties. So I'd, I'd worked non-stop for two and a half, three years whilst I was there. But I'd always had two jobs before that. So I'd always worked kind of like nine in the morning to 11 at night in two different jobs. So I had that kind of work ethic. And and yeah, they just said that basically, like if anyone's going to make it work, it, it's going to be you just because you work hard um, rather than just kind of putting a, a few hours in. And Because I think one of the things we'd, we'd with self-employment, some people think, well, I'm, I'm running my own business. I can just choose my own hours. It'd be dead nice. And ultimately, that's not really the, the case. You've got to put the, the hard graft in. Um, so it was, I suppose, like, probably I've always suffered from from imposter syndrome, but I know that I'm a really good estate agent. And I, mm-hmm. I know that, that that I am brilliant at what I do. And because I absolutely love it. Um, so I didn't really... I think, it, it, there was that like risk and fear that it maybe wouldn't work, but I think the hard work and the work ethic would overcome that, and that's kind of what's happened. Because um, I've literally worked nonstop. I do work really long hours now, um, but I always have right from the start. Um, and one of the first things I did, I got on on Facebook, um, did a video about this is what I'm doing now. Um, this is how I'm going to be different, and. Um, this is kind of what I'm, I'm hoping to achieve. And that got like, I think in about 
24 hours or something like that. It had about five and a half thousand views, given that I had no following at that point. Um, let me freeze it, on that for a sec. Let, let me freeze yeah. on that for a second, Matt, because a lot of people who come in to set up a business, it's not an EXP sales pitch, but with EXP or whatever other business or industry they're in, you know, we all recognize that social media is potentially a powerful tool in our toolkit. But when you've never built a brand on social media, when you've never created content, when you've never been in front of a camera, when you've never had to think about how you're being perceived or how you're going to generate leads, all these things are, are very confusing and a bit daunting for people. And especially when no following, people will start to think, well, no one's there to watch it. So what's the point in doing it? And it's kind of like this negative loop where people slowly talk themselves out of taking action. So you've jumped on, like, how have you started to build an audience? Where did those views come from when you didn't really have, you know, a whole ton of people following along? Was that you just encouraging friends, family, whoever you knew in the local, the pizza delivery boys to share yeah. your content? Like, what, what, yeah. what, how did that come into, into reality? Yeah, so we've got... so. Obviously, like if, if you've never set up a, a Facebook like business page before, you set it up, you can invite your friends to it. So I did that, posted some content, excuse me, um, posted the content and then shared it on my own personal page as well. And I was like, this is what I'm doing now. I'd really appreciate it if you'd share it. It got shared absolutely loads because most people want to see people succeed. I know there's some people mm -hmm. like, oh, look at him, it's all right for him. But for the, for the most part, people want to see others succeed um so it got shared kind of loads and then i had comments about from people that i'd sold houses for said oh like you did a brilliant job of selling my house with x company you'll do great and, and stuff like that and so and, and probably, some confidence yeah it boosted confidence and then you think well actually yeah i, I am going to do all right and then people um they invited other people to, to to like my page. So like quite quickly you can grow a, a decent following. Um and then what I've what I was kind of posting, because obviously in the early days you've got no properties. So what I kind of posted was um stuff that I was maybe doing that day or where I was, because obviously we'd we'd been on the course, we've got some picturesque places or some like local businesses for that. Um so I'd go past like 20 minutes ice cream shop and do a photo of me and eating an ice cream outside of there. Um, and just little things like that. Um, like a, a picture of a view. Can you guess where I am today? And it, it, it creates um, like engagement to people are, like commenting that then it expands your reach. Um, I'm sounding like I know all about how Facebook marketing works. I don't really. I've just winged it and it's work. Um, but yeah, it's just... Posting what you can, and I post a lot of personal stuff. So if I, if I went away for a weekend or on holiday with family, I'd post a photo of us doing something. It gets loads of interaction, more so than property and business-related stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I post, what, what have I just put? So I posted the other day about £40 million worth of, of, of property sales, and that's had about probably about 100 likes, uh, loads of comments of people saying, like, well done and stuff. And it was the same when... And me and Julie went to, to um went down to the Christmas party in London. Um we we took some photos, obviously we won awards and we put a photo of me and Julie there that were down there and, and got loads of like interaction with that. And it's it is really nice. And then obviously I do post post properties on there, I'll do like coming soon and stuff like that. And especially in the in the early days when you've got more time, you can focus more on building that content. Um, I've got a, a guy that joined me recently, never really been on social media, and he, he had his Instagram account frozen because he got so many followers so fast they thought he was a bot because he somehow he's managed to crack it and just create this great following. Um, just 
Yeah, just with the content that it was it was pushing. So social media for me has been the absolute key to growing a really strong business. Um, and the best part about it is free. I've never spent any money uh, boosting posts or sponsors ads or anything like that. It's all just gen like general um, organic kind of reach from from normal content. So in in the early days, I'd post things about. Um, like how to conduct a viewing and stuff like that. So tips about what people could do. Um, but personal from, from me, not just like a generic bit of text with a photo. Um, I, think that, I think that's the key, mate, because it's like sometimes I always, I think we can overthink things um, when it comes to content and it's kind of like, well, I've got nothing valuable to say. People aren't going to find this interesting. Like it's just finding that excuse to get on camera. And sometimes the things that if you just think when you speak to customers or when you have spoke to customers in the past at your previous roles, if it is that you've got no properties yet, think of the things that people ask you that you take for granted. You know, um, should I go straight to my bank that I bank with to get a mortgage or is it best to go to an independent advisor? Um, I want to buy a house. Should I find a house to buy before I sell? Which way around should I do things? Um, you know, these questions that are just so easy and every day and almost like reactionary for us because we've answered them that many times. Joe Public, who doesn't sell every day and they might move once every 5, 10, 15, 20 years. This is information that they're thinking or soon will need to know. So I think having the I guess the, the foresight to bring that content to your, your platform in the first place, but being brave enough to deliver that as Mark, not just some faceless business where it's a generic message that might not land. It just yeah. gives people A, the value, but also, and I think probably more importantly, the insight to the person. And then people get confidence, don't they? They start to realize, oh, he's all right. And estate agents aren't big, scary, sleazy people. This Mark lad seems okay. Or not, as the case may be, but it's yeah. like a good filter where the people who do come forward typically are the people that buy into what you say. They're buying into your narrative and they kind of trust that you're the right person to guide and advise. It's a shame when people just get frozen by the magnitude of the task and don't put themselves on camera for whatever reason. Because one thing that I'm starting to see now as a commentary with the high performers that I'm speaking to is that biting the bullet and parking that imposter syndrome and just doing it is the, the key effectively to get to the future success that they're looking for. So it's great to see that that was the case for you, mate. Yeah. And it is, it is quite hard to, to do uh, even, even, even like now, uh, it's quite hard to, to put something out there, giving advice to make yourself seem like the authority on the subject. Cause sometimes, yeah, it, it's having the confidence to do that, but and I suppose, we know what we're doing. But yeah, the general public maybe doesn't know, kind of understand that. And it's just having the confidence to kind of put that across to people. And so in the early days, it is hard. And even now, especially for, like, because for, I've got to go off to post on LinkedIn every day. And I, for the most part, I do it, but not all, all the time. And um, because that's more of a, like a professional thing, it's like a, a step up from, it's not kind of Joe public. It's it's me telling other people that do similar roles. Different and audience. How, how I do, kind of what I do. And yeah, and you've still got that imposter syndrome, and you've just got to still kind of post it, and you get loads of interaction still. Yeah, and, and the key thing is, mate, what you said going back, just to kind of double back a few minutes, you sort of mentioned that for the most part, people want to see people succeed, and I absolutely agree with that. I think people either wish you well, and they're happy to see you succeed, or they're just indifferent, and they don't really care either way. The people who are negative or nasty or wishing ill, are so 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 much in the minority it's negligible and it really isn't worth getting caught up on what i always say it don't get caught up on what could go wrong get excited about what could go right and i think that applies to pretty much all areas of business um matt tell me mate i appreciate that 
you know, just you were saying before that when you worked at Purple Bricks, you was maybe earning about £55,000 a year, maybe a bit more, a bit less, depending on performance. For where you are in the country, that's not um, a bad salary, really. You know, kind of up north in, in the lakes, um, people who are listening from your market might be like, oh, that's not too bad. That's more than I'd get working on the high street. And it is, but by the time you factored in the blood, sweat, the tears, the hours, the time, the traveling, the research, the follow-ups, getting involved with progression, dealing with complaints, all the emails back and forth, speaking to the office. I know from my own first-hand experience what the actual hourly rate is for time invested for cash out at Purple Bricks. And it's not as pretty as maybe a 55 grand package might make it sound. Yet you've come over into EXP, you still work hard, you're still putting the hours in, but now you're being significantly rewarded for that effort and quite rightly so. I want to know from going from working every hour God sends to earning on balance, pretty poor money. If we look at your hourly rate at purple bricks to then delivering pizzas for minimum wage plus tips to then getting that first, I think you said it was a 4,000 pound month in December. How did that feel when that paycheck came through? I could imagine that was in stark contrast to what you'd experienced leading up until that point. Yeah, that was, uh, that was amazing. So one of the, cause I've always worked for low fee agents, um, and when I started with EXP, I, I did charge some lower fees because I had some people that I'd already spoke to and they're like, we just want to sell with you. So I did it at the same fee that I'd already said and then realised that. And my thinking then was by the time I'd got paid and EXP had been paid and stuff, I still got double what I would have got with Purple Bricks. So yeah. I was still like yeah. into a win. Um, and then over time, I realised how busy I was getting and I listed Every single property for three months came on the market with me or didn't go on at all. It didn't go on with anyone else. Right, right. But, so that I gradually kind of in, increased my fees. Um, but yeah, that that first, when I was paid in in the December, that was amazing. And it was a house that had been on the market. Um, so I sent them a letter, brought it on with me. They couldn't it couldn't afford to pay the withdrawal fee from the other agent. So I said, I'll happily pay that. So I paid that and I added it to the, my fee at the end because I, I knew that I'd sell the house. Uh, I'd provided better marketing. T- so tweaked the price slightly. Uh, it was on at 232, so we changed the offers over 230. Sold it in three days. Um, so it'd been on, I think, four months uh, and it had virtually no interest. So so getting paid for that was amazing. But then and also, what- like, I'd imagine, mate, the review that you must get from that. And this is the thing about finding momentum, because one thing that you don't have when you set up, you have loads of enthusiasm, you want to make a difference, you want to help people, you want to sell some houses, but you have zero momentum because you're coming out the traps. And when you get a result like that, where you've literally, you know, I'm assuming that vendor, based on my experience, would have had the head in the sand, it's never going to sell, this is pointless, I need to move, oh my God, this is depressing. It becomes like a pretty big noose around people's neck. And for you to not reinvent the wheel as term, a terms of price, but just make an effort with the marketing and get that result, I'd imagine that must have been an amazing five-star review and someone who just couldn't speak your name loudly enough if the yeah. year that somebody needs an agent. That's where that momentum comes from, getting those touches in the early stages, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when, when people like that have struggled and they're kind of losing hope. And this was a separation, so they couldn't move on with their lives until this property yeah, yeah. was sold. So, so, yeah, I got a brilliant review. And then, obviously, you can build on that. So when, when I got, got it sale agreed in, like, three days, I posted on Facebook about that. Struggled for ages, but look at the difference in marketing. We've got it sold in three days. And then I became known for the person that sells properties really fast. I mean... I can't take all credit because obviously it was a really busy market as well. Well, yeah, yeah. when I started, the market was picking up. So, um, 
But I, I, I've sold a lot of properties now that I've struggled with other agents. I had one that was on, I think it was either five or six years. I sold it in a week. Uh, and it had been on with loads of different agents. Um, one on the other side of the road, they'd had that one for two years. I sold that in three days. Um, so what, 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 what better social proof than that? Like when somebody's yeah. been through the mill for so long and you've managed to get the result they're looking for with relative little friction. What's the secret to that, mate? Why why did you sell it when it was on the market for six years prior? Did you slash the price down? Was it a marketing thing? Was it a management of seller expectations? Like how did you get that success where other agents failed? I think for the for the most part it came down to marketing because I've I've never took properties on and massively reduced the price because we'll look at obviously if, if I think it is overpriced then we'll look at that and say, well I think the price is kind of the, the key part. But for the most part, it's the marketing because the marketing provide is better than any of the local agents. Um, so, Question, so mate, one... as, your, as your belief that, sorry to interrupt, mate, but I'm just interested to ask so I can c- compare my thoughts to yours. Has your opinion of the importance of marketing changed over time? Or have you always believed since day one? Like, No, so I've, I've always believed. So I've always been passionate about like photos and stuff like that. And I right, think because, right. so that the agent I started with, they charge low fee, but they provided better photos than, than anyone else. Um, so I've always taken good photos, but then I've always realized that actually I can do a bit better. So I've added more and more stuff. So locally, I was the first person to do uh, 3D virtual tours. I was the first person to do video content. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've constantly added different things. And um, so the one that had been on and I paid the, the withdrawal fee, they, I, I paid to have it virtually staged because they weren't living in it. It was all empty, so it just, it just looked amazing. Um, because the the marketing is absolutely key. So I even use um, a professional copywriter for the advert. Um, so everything just looks brilliant. Um, and it is really key. And so some of the like I'll say properties go on with some agents, and I just think why have you put it on with them? And it ultimately, it comes down to probably cost. But they forget that they're going to lose thousands of pounds because the marketing's shit. Um, yeah. Mate, so... It's infuriating when you see that because you think, I, I know that me as an agent, if I lose an instruction to a worth a worthy competitor and I think, do you know what? I had my idea, I had my plans, but I understand why they've gone with them. They do do a good job. They do make the effort. They are amazing. You can sort of take it in your stride a bit more and live with it. But when they make an awful decision and someone just absolutely botches it, you feel bad for them, don't you? It's like, why have you done that? Absolutely. I had had one that they got in touch a while ago. They were buying this plot of land, this dollar, I think. Um, They'd been on with another agent. I told them it was massively overpriced, but they, they said... People don't understand the size of it. I said, well, one of the things I'll do is do a video, present it later, I'll talk through it. It'll show off the property really well. Booked in for photos, cancelled because something had come up. A month later, they put it on with another agent. Worse photos than previously, uh, and it'll all come down to their fees, probably a little bit cheaper than, than mine. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately, they're going to lose money. Um, so, so, yeah, marketing for me is absolutely key. But um, in the early days, so going back to like kind of the fees and, and stuff like that, um, because I'd always charge low fee, I had to kind of pinch myself because people were willing to pay a, like a higher fee for, for the value that I was bringing to the property and stuff. And probably for like six months, maybe even up to a year, I, I, like, I was constantly in disbelief that this was actually working. Um, and all the little successes I got, I used to drive momentum forwards. I never, I never 
took my foot off the like the gas or anything like that. I constantly pushed forward to create momentum, and as a result, we, we, we are where we are. But um, but the first agent I was with when I left, I think I was getting paid about twenty four grand a year. Um, there was some bonuses, but it was very minimal. So like mortgage leads and uh, conveyance and. But ultimately, it was twenty four grand a year. Obviously, up to fifty five with purple bricks, but working loads of hours. So yeah, when you factor in the pound per hour, it was probably about minimum wage. Um, and taking that, it, if that, yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously now, so last year, um, so for last year we banked two hundred grand, um, not including the VAT. So. It's obviously I've got expenses to take off that, um, but our running costs are fairly minimal. Um, so it has been completely life changing. My wife works well, with me. Mate, that is insane. And I keep, I've interrupted you like three times now. And when people <laughs> do that to me, I want to punch them in the face, Mark. So I'm sorry, but we've got a safe bit of distance between us so I can get away with <laughs> it. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to take a minute to, to break this down, right? So 200 grand. Um, let's let's do people the justice of giving them perspective on what this means right so 200 grand in top line revenue what are your overheads you mentioned that your leads come mostly organically or entirely organically what are you paying to generate the top of funnel leads for vendor valuations so I, I don't pay for any like lead generation so the, the only thing i do i sponsor my kids football team more because he's my son and it's my uh so julie is the treasurer and my nephew actually runs the club so it's more like right. just family and stuff so i pay for that um i pay for uh, about 40 pound a month for an app for another football club and it was more just so that another estate agent couldn't get on there instead um so and that that's all the marketing that i pay for um the rest of it so so effectively when we break that down pennies over a year when you look at the cost of an app and, and and a few football kits um your overheads, I don't think you do let in. So you pay £125 plus VAT to EXP every month the same way as I do, right? Yeah. 150 yeah. quid. Um, you split a percentage of top-line revenue to pay towards your seat effectively for your right moving your Zoopla access and your CRM and whatnot. That's capped at 80000 though. So on the first 80K, you've got 70% of that. So 56000 retained. Yeah, so, yeah, so you get... Yes, you get fifty six grand of that, and then obviously drops down to two hundred and fifty pound per transaction. And then Sorry, once you hit icon, which I've done twice, although one one's unofficial, so I can't mention that. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, once you hit icon, it drops down to hundred pound per transaction, and just hitting those levels, you suddenly see a boost in your income. Uh, but that was that was two hundred grand, not including what I've paid to EXP. Oh, um, mate, so top line. So, top yeah, so, so on your gross revenue that came in before the splits to EXP, then again, just for anyone who's clear, so we're not, doesn't sound like we're speaking a foreign language. 80, 000, the top 80,000 pounds in top line revenue is split 70 30 in Mark's favor. After that, it's kept 100% of what is earned, apart from a transaction fee of 250 pounds. After that, it's got to Icon, which effectively means that he's done a certain amount of uh, business beyond the capping point, at which point that's dropped down again to £100 per transaction only on success without any increase in Mark's monthly overheads. So he's still paying £150 a month for his business structure. That doesn't go up with performance. That stays exactly where it is, again, to help Mark's profit margins. And because you've Iconed, 
the 30% that you've paid to EXP, you've got a big fat chunk of that paid straight back into your retirement portfolio in the terms of equity and shares and ownership that you've now been gifted into EXP World Holdings. So not only are you making a ton of money and you've got 200K gone into your bank over 12 months, you've also got an exit strategy being built at the same time that's working for you whilst you're selling houses just for doing what you've been doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, the, the, the shares is an absolute massive bonus. So obviously you, you pay the, the, the money to, to EXP to cover like right move and stuff like that. And then I've got 16 grand a bit back in the form of shares. And obviously, if, like for me, that is like a pension pot. Until recently, I've never had a pension. But now, because of where we are, and I'll pay into a pension. I've set my own private pension up. Uh, Matt, mate, mate, when you're when you're juggling two jobs just to make sure the kids have got shoes and you've got food on the table, how the hell do you think about putting money away for savings and pension? It just doesn't happen, especially yeah. when you're a business owner. You're trying to keep the lights on usually and get from month to month. You're not thinking about what happens 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. Well, mate, amazing. That's it. Yeah, I've always needed the money there and then. But I've never, I've never had any savings. I've only had debt, nor... Um, yeah, no pension, but then this like sixteen grand that I'll get for hitting icon. If if the share price goes tenfold over the next few years, because I wouldn't take it out, then that is one hundred and sixty grand, uh, and that's money that I can then withdraw and live a nice, happy re- retirement. Um, so. Honestly, honestly, God, mate, like I quite literally tip my cap to you. Anyone who's listening and not watching, I just tip my cap to Mark. That's an incredible achievement, mate, but but nothing less than you deserve for the hard work and the effort that you've put in. Um, you mentioned earlier on um, when we were talking about that customer that you helped, um, you said, you know, the one that you you sold quite quickly, you adjusted it to 230, improved the marketing. You said, yeah, it's a great way to get off the traps and you just build from there. And build from there, you've certainly done since because not only have you achieved uh, the money that you've achieved and the financial metrics, which let's be honest, are important. We're talking about business here. So the monetary side is an important part of any business decision. But you've also won the accolade of highest performing individual agent in the whole of the company. Um and to put this into perspective, like we're not a small company. So we've got nearly 400 agents in the UK. We've got close to 90,000 agents now across the planet. And you're right up there with the best of them, mate. So just tell me how that must have felt. Like a, a guy who's in the arse end of Cumbria, selling a few <laughs> houses, hoping, think, you know, loads of imposter syndrome, crossing his fingers, yeah. it can make it a success, but probably not entirely convinced. How does it feel to have that accolade next to your name? Do you know that... It was amazing. So I woke up uh, to uh, a video from Adam Day that he'd recorded in Vegas and announcing my name of winning the President's Production Award for the most units sold out of all of AXP. Uh, so out of the 23 countries, the 86,000 agents there were at the time, I'd sold more than anyone. That was absolutely insane. Uh, but yeah, that was a really nice feeling to wake up for. Um it, yeah, it's absolutely crazy, especially when, because we do live in like a, a little town and um, obviously there's quite a few agents here now. I, when I started, I, I wanted to, to ideally make about 60 grand a year. So it was a bit more than what I was making at PB. On your own terms. Yeah, but on my own terms. Um, and yeah, and to where we've got to now, it is totally mind blowing. I've, I've cleared all my debts off. The only debts I've got, obviously, mortgage and I still pay them up for my car. Um, but cleared all my all my other debts. Um, we just bought our new house in December. Uh, we're buying the flat next door. 
because uh, the house is split into to two. So we're going to buy the top floor and hopefully maybe buy the bottom floor at some point. Um, but yeah, it's just been an absolutely crazy journey. Um, and then, yeah, to, to sell more than anyone. And and even when I, when I heard that, it, it, again, it's that imposter syndrome. It's like, surely that can't be right. And and to call myself like number one EXP agent in the world still feels like really, really weird. And Surreal. It's only in terms of, of volume, uh, of number of properties. So where there's others that have sold a higher volume in terms of uh like prices just because of the the value of the property in our areas you're, really ne- you're never you're never going to compete with the guys who are selling houses in hollywood for and you know selling will smith's condo in la like yeah you know you just don't get those values do you unfortunately in in, in cumbria <laughs> no not at all not at all um so yeah no it's been it's been really incredible um so my wife works with me now my eldest son he comes out and does um helps with the marketing um, I've got my niece starting just to help with inquiries. So, because it's grown, just I couldn't do it all on my own. Uh, I did for for quite a long time, uh, but it's just keeping it in the family to come a bit of a family mission. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it still keeps that kind of personal, kind of family oriented aspect to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rather than saying that we're fam- a family business, where it's me and Julie, but then this massive team of people that. And you're not dealing yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Well, that's I'm mindful of time, but before yeah. we wrap up, let, let's just freeze on the last few minutes of conversation, right? So, 200 grand in bank income, you've got all these shares coming in, a retirement part, you've got the accolade of the number one EXP agent on the planet. Like, you've made more money than you ever dared dream that you would. Yeah, it was only a short while ago, really, in the grand scheme of things, that you were sat in your living room after the end of a pizza delivery shift chatting to Julie and chatting to your in-laws about, do I do this or not? I can't make my mind up. If I could have recorded the last few minutes of conversation and played that to the Mark Buchanan that sat in that room, wondering about whether or not he should set his business, what would your thoughts be? Would you think I was completely trying to blag you? Did you ever see any of this come in? Like, how would you have perceived that if I'd have shown you that bit of content in that moment? No, I I would just be thinking you try to blag me. I would just think that's (laughs) far too good to be true. It can't happen. You know, it's one of them things where like, like, folks say well oh, come and join us you can earn this much money and stuff and you just think what a load of shit they, they just yeah yeah that, that can't be real and then i know when when we go to like uh other events where we're talking to other other exp agents and we're talking about how life has changed and stuff like that i've commented a few times that anyone from the outside listening a hundred percent mate the amount of times like gen- not even on this podcast but just in private when i've been chatting to people on whatsapp sending voice notes the odd phone call people have told me things and celebrated things and shared success and i just thought you know what if we shared this to social media now they think oh he's full of shit and like oh what a load of knobheads but it's like it's 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 real just open your eyes and look yeah. <laughs> you want to shake is... people sometimes don't you <laughs> yeah that's it it is genuine and yeah to, to, to go to think that i'd be where i am now like two, three years ago, I just wouldn't have believed it. Um, but now we're here. You're always trying to strive to just do that little bit more. And I've, I suppose, yeah, your, your goals and dreams kind of change and because you realise, actually, I can do this. Um, so, yeah. And, and obviously, it's allowing us to give our kids a really nice lifestyle. Yeah. Um, where we're not going to have to struggle and stuff. I know b- before before I was an estate agent, this was when uh, back in like early two thousands. I got to the point where I was in so much debt, I had no money coming in. 
Um, and we couldn't afford to eat. So we made sure, that, like, we had we had Jack then, our eldest, and we made sure that he, like, the kids were fed, like, and stuff. But uh, I was drinking the shittest coffee you could possibly buy from Morrison's. Um, and I weighed about seven and a half stone. I'm five foot six, so seven and a half stone is still really light because we couldn't afford to eat. Uh, so to go from there, defaulting on like loans and stuff like that to, to be where we are now it's it's just phenomenal and like i'm always really grateful that we've we've had that like struggle and that like uh like rough time kind of getting to where we are because it makes me really appreciate where we are now and i'm i'm very money orientated and i think it comes down to the lack of it of my adult life and i have always i, I always I always think, Matt, like it's good to it's good to be striving towards new goals and progress and innovation and, and, and improving your situation. But it's also healthy to be running away from something. You know, if if I asked you to run 100 meters as quick as you can, you'd probably run pretty damn quick. But if I put a lion behind you, you're going to run a whole lot faster, right? It's the same thing. You've seen what the rough looks like, so you appreciate the smooth and it keeps you striving and innovating for that next step so you don't go back to where you started. And, mate, what a wonderful story um, and a harrowing story that probably will resonate with a lot of people to wrap up today's conversation on mate i know how busy you are and how hard you work so it's been a pleasure taking an hour out of my morning and i appreciate you taking an hour out of yours mark um to come on and, and share your story um you're a superstar mate and i look forward to seeing the next evolution of your business i'm sure over the next couple of years yeah cheers mate thanks for the invite really appreciate it my pleasure entirely mate speak to you soon speak to you soon mate cheers